You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we return here with another episode of Locked On Ravens. I am your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire. And we return here with a midweek edition of Locked On Ravens here during the first wave of free agency frenzy. Now, the legal tampering period for teams to start to talk to players from other teams and reach agreements with them started on Monday. And here we are on Wednesday, and plenty has happened, and a lot hasn't happened as well. It's been kind of a mixed bag. There have been points where free agency has been really fast and everything is going at a rapid pace, and then other hours and other moments where it's really slow and nothing really is going on and everybody's waiting for news. So it's been a very mixed bag for free agency, but for the Ravens, they have made a couple of moves that I think were necessary. And hopefully in the coming days here, we will see them make a couple more moves that I think will also help this team. We'll talk about all of that here in this show today. And of course, throughout the rest of this week and moving forward throughout the rest of the month and then just heading into the 2021 season as well. So here in this first segment, I do want to talk about what moves the Ravens made on Tuesday, bringing back a couple of their own players while also losing one. And then in the second segment, as it is Wednesday, we'll be answering questions here on Locked on Ravens. We have four questions to get into here today. And then in our final segment, we'll be taking a look at what I think the Ravens should do, where the Ravens should go from here, what they could do, what needs still need to be addressed, and much, much more. So with all that being said, let's just jump right in here. But before we do that, be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Be sure to subscribe and turn automatic downloads on so you get our content all the time. We put out that content Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. Eastern Time. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnRavens and my personal account at KOSTRIKER34. For any Ravens news, analysis, updates, free agency analysis, draft analysis, historical perspectives, and much, much more. So with all that being said, let's dive right in here to the first segment where we'll be talking about the moves that the Ravens made on Tuesday. And although they weren't the flashiest moves ever, they weren't all these super exciting moves, I personally think they were exciting because the Ravens were able to bring back two players who were very nice contributors during the 2020 season in Tyus Bowser and Derek Wolf, and they did it with very, very reasonable contracts that are good both for the player and for the team. So let's start here with Tyus Bowser. Bowser, the 6'3", 242-pound outside linebacker, the edge, who does a multitude of things very, very well. He's one of the best cover edge guys in the entire league. He's good against the run, not as refined as a pass rusher. That's not, I'll say, his strong suit. And for an edge guy, it doesn't have to be your strong suit. Tyus Bowser, only two sacks in 2020, and over the course of his career, his four-year career in Baltimore, just 10 and a half sacks. He did have five sacks in 2019, so it's not like Bowser's a terrible pass rusher and he can't get to the quarterback. He can do that, but he definitely, in my opinion, is better at dropping back into coverage. But now, getting an opportunity with Matthew Judon departing to New England and Yannick Ngakwe departing to Las Vegas... Tyus Bowser could see his production in the sack department go up to back around that five sack number, that seven sack number. And the great thing about Tyus Bowser's game 
as I mentioned, the versatility is what the Ravens love throughout their entire defense, and Bowser fits that mold. So I think Bowser will be getting more of an opportunity in Matthew Judon's old role, and he'll have to live up to that. Bowser, over his first two seasons, was a relative disappointment. I'm not going to say he was an awful bust or anything, but he did leave a little to be desired. And then in his third year, I mentioned the five sacks. He was able to come up with a couple turnovers and have a nice little year in 2019. But then in 2020, three interceptions. I mentioned the two sacks and getting a lot of playing time. He's also only missed one game throughout his four-year career, so he is durable. At least he has been so far. 80 total tackles, 11 tackles for loss, 29 quarterback hits. So he's someone who the Ravens definitely wanted to bring back, and they signed him to a four-year, $22 million deal with $12 million guaranteed. And the deal can go up to $27 million, I'm assuming, with incentives and whatnot. So that's a phenomenal deal for Tyus Bowser. I mentioned that Jason over the cap was kind of putting Bowser's market anywhere around 5 to $6 million. And I'm saying, look, if Tyus Bowser's market is 5 to $6 million, I'm jumping all over that because I think that Bowser provides so much more production than the box score indicates. And they were able to get him on a deal up to $27 million. Even if it gets up to $27 million, it's just under $7 million per year for Bowser, which I think is a steal of a contract. So Tyus Bowser back in Baltimore for the foreseeable future, signing a four-year contract with the Ravens, which in my opinion is a great move. And then talking about the other Raven to sign back with the team yesterday, Derek Wolf, the defensive tackle, the defensive end. He can play a multitude of positions across the defensive line. Wolf returning to Baltimore on a three-year, $12 million deal. Now, at the time of this recording, I don't think the numbers for this deal have been released yet in terms of how it's spread out over the three years. It could just be a straight-across contract where Wolf is getting paid $4 million each year, but I know that with this COVID cap, as people are calling it, teams are trying to spread out a cap hit over a couple years or make the first year cap hit a bit smaller so they can still be players in free agency in 2021 and sign a couple of guys, but... Fort Wolf still three years, $12 million for the production that Wolf put up in 2020. This again is an absolute steal. Wolf is 6'5", 285 pounds, and he is part of that group called the Monstars that also includes Brandon Williams and Clayus Campbell and could soon be adding Justin Matabike and Broderick Washington. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Ravens rotate in Derek Wolf. Obviously, he is not a three-down player. Neither is Clayus Campbell and neither is Brandon Williams, but that's how they're best utilized. They could be on the field for three downs. I'm not saying they can't do that, but the Ravens have a plan to utilize these guys and Derek Wolf was a big part of that. Throughout his nine-year career, Wolf has 34 career sacks as well as 350 total tackles to go along with 52 tackles for loss and 81 quarterback hits. And in 2024, the Ravens played in 14 games for this team, had 51 total tackles and a sack to go along with six tackles for loss and four quarterback hits. But he was one of the best run defenders in the entire NFL. It goes beyond the box score with these guys. You know, you can look at tackles, you can look at sacks, you can look at tackles for loss, but there are so many other things that you have to put into consideration when you're trying to identify whether a player is good or not. And I think that for the Ravens, they identified that value with Derek Wolf. Now, Wolf did post a tweet on Twitter that said that he's always been undervalued. And I, I kind of took that at first as, oh man, like that's not good for the Ravens at all. But then I kind of thought about it a bit and I thought, wait a second, maybe he's testing his market right now. And he doesn't like what he sees. He doesn't like what other teams are offering him. He doesn't like what other teams see in him. 
So he might want to go back to the Ravens and just make that work. So it could have been either or, but with Derek Wolf returning to Baltimore, it seems like it was the latter with Wolf not liking what he found on the open market. But that gave the Ravens a really good player at a relatively cheap price. And it also gives Derek Wolf a nice payday over three years. Now, realistically, again, I don't know how the numbers work, but this could just be a two-year deal where the Ravens have a pretty easy out after the two years and the third year comes around. But again, I don't know yet because I don't know the numbers at this point. So we'll see what ends up happening with that. And the numbers are really important when it comes to identifying a contract and, you know, making sure the contract is actually a good one. You know, if you overpay a player in the first year or you leave too much money on the back end, it could hurt you in the future or it could hurt you in the present. So it'll be interesting again to see how that all works. But the Ravens retaining Tyus Bowser and Derek Wolf, but losing Jihad Ward as Ward goes to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And this was a move that, honestly, I was expecting. I don't think Ward was very happy with the Ravens and the way that they handled his playing time during the 2020 season. And to me, this is actually a pretty decent loss for this team. I think Ward, again, it's beyond the box score value. Made big plays and big moments. Had a knack of getting to the quarterback and also was just another versatile piece. So it's a decently sized loss for Baltimore. It's not the biggest loss in the world. Baltimore could certainly find an edge in the draft or in free agency, a veteran guy that could fill that void. But Ward was someone who I think liked being in Baltimore. I just think he wanted more of an opportunity. And I don't think he thought that he got a fair shake in 2020. And honestly, I don't think so either. I think Ward should have been playing over Ferguson for pretty much the entire year after Ferguson showed that he might have just needed another year. And, and that should have been what happened there, but it didn't. And Ward was a healthy scratch in some games. And I think there was a report that came out that Marlon Humphrey had to vouch for his playing time to coaches. And I don't think that was something Ward intended or wanted or, you know, just ultimately needed to happen. I think that he wanted to prove to coaches and he was proving to coaches when he was on the field, he was producing, but the coaches did not give him the playing time up until a couple weeks prior to the end of the season. Then he started to get back into the action and played really well in the Titans playoff game, but Ward, I think, wanted more of an opportunity. So best of luck to Jihad Ward in Jacksonville. The Ravens also losing Chris Moore to the Houston Texans late on Monday night. So that's another move where the Ravens are losing one of their top special teams players. I know John Harbaugh really liked what Moore contributed on special teams, but never took that leap as a receiver. And I don't think the Ravens could have afforded to keep him on the roster. So all in all, Baltimore retaining two very key players to their defense while losing another. And as free agency moves on, the Ravens still have some work to do. And hopefully they'll be able to hammer out a couple more deals with some key contributors that can come in and make an impact. We're going to head into our first break now, but when we return, we'll be diving into mailbag questions that we got on Twitter, so stay tuned for that, and we will be right back. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. Now it's the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It's Built Bar Madness. Go to BuiltBar.com or to at bar underscore built on Twitter. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order at BuiltBar.com and Check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. This April 12th to 17, join the Maryland SPCA for a virtual festival for the animals, the dog on display to support your community. 
Raise money to save homeless pets and keep families together by joining a fundraising team or creating your own with family, friends, or neighbors. Every dollar raised gives sick and injured pets a second chance and supports families in Baltimore with pet food assistance, vet care, and more. When you register for $29, you'll also receive a festival t-shirt and commemorative medal. Sign up today at mdspca.org ravens. That's mdspca.org ravens. And we return here with our second segment of this midweek edition episode of Locked on Ravens. Kevin Ostriker, your host, still talking with you here. And we're now going to dive into four mailbag questions that we received for this episode. The first one coming from Eric, and he has a simple one. He says, WTF, that's my question. And so we're, we're a profanity-free show over here, so I'm not going to spell it out. But I think this is an important three-letter statement here because it's the mood of a lot of people throughout the Ravens flock and throughout Ravens Nation. But I think right now everybody just has to, you know, take a deep breath and calm down. For agency is a stressful time, and I know it's stressful for everybody involved. The teams, the fans, the media, everybody, there's a level of stress to it. But with this Ravens team in particular, and obviously this is a Ravens show, so that's where I'm going to take this angle from, the Ravens have made the playoffs for the last couple of seasons. They have a really good roster already intact, and I think part of the allure of free agency is seeing all of these talented stud players hitting the market, and you're thinking, wow, well, if the Ravens could get this guy, or if they could bring this guy into the defense, or if this guy could catch passes from Lamar Jackson, there are so many things that could just go right with that. But also, on the contrary, there are a lot of things that could go wrong with that. And I think just being able to sign all these new guys, there's a feeling of a team signing a new player from a different team, and there's all this excitement about what does he bring? What doesn't he bring? What are the highlights? Where's the tape? It's a it's a feeling. It's a feeling of happiness. Like, there's all this different stuff that goes into it. And look, I've been there, you know, signing a guy, signing a stud. There's this moment. There's this period of time. It's almost like in a relationship where there's the honeymoon phase. It's like that. But then they get older and they've been on the team for longer and all of a sudden they don't produce. And it's like, why was I so excited about this guy in the first place? Why did I think this was a good signing? It's like the hindsight that you have of, wait, maybe the Ravens shouldn't have gone all in on this guy and thrown all this money here. The Ravens have a great roster already, so they don't have to throw all this money at guys and have this guy make $10 million per season and this other guy make $12 million per season. They don't have to do that because they have already a really nice crop of guys on their roster that they think can produce and they think can improve. Part of free agency, part of the offseason is making sure that the guys on your roster already, the guys who are already under contract are putting in the work in the offseason to get better. So you don't have to rely on guys who haven't been in the system. You don't have to rely on rookies who haven't been in the NFL game yet and have experienced the NFL game yet. So I totally understand the Ravens have needs. They have to sign guys at certain positions to fill out those needs. I'm not saying the Ravens shouldn't sign anybody or shouldn't bring back anybody. They have to do that in some way, shape, or form. But for the Ravens to go out and target all these guys and throw tens of millions of dollars at each guy they sign, it's great in the first place when you sign a guy to a huge contract or that stud and you think, oh, this is a great deal. The Ravens are going to get somebody who can produce for them for three years, four years, five years. But then they get to the end of the second year and it's like they've played in two games like C.J. Mosley or they've done this other stuff where they haven't produced to the level that you want them to. That's difficult. And I think in the moment with the Ravens not being as active as I think some would have hoped, 
it can bring about this sense of panic where it's like, oh my God, the Ravens aren't going to sign anybody. They're going to end up with these wash players and guys who aren't going to be able to produce and guys who aren't going to make an impact because they didn't go all in. They weren't aggressive enough in free agency. But sometimes being aggressive in going after these guys and throwing blind amounts of money at people is not the answer. And what I've been saying and been trying to say for the past couple of weeks is sometimes the biggest spenders are not always the biggest winners. We've seen that over the course of the last few seasons, over the course of NFL history with a bunch of different teams. So for the Ravens, I think they're being smart with their money. I think that's the best thing they can be right now is smart with their money, especially because they don't want to have commitments to guys who are going to cripple their cap when it comes time to extend Lamar Jackson and it comes time to extend Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown if they decide to go that route. They're identifying right now who their core pieces are because in the next two, three years, they're going to have all those guys under contract while letting guys walk who are not in their core. We know Ronnie Stanley is a core piece. We know Marlon Humphrey is a core piece. Lamar Jackson obviously is going to be a core piece. And I think Mark Andrews is going to be a core piece. And then I think ultimately with Orlando Brown wanting his way out of Baltimore and not wanting to be in Baltimore long-term, the Ravens could opt to sign Marquise Brown to a deal. And that'll be interesting to see. Or the Ravens could opt to sign a 26, 27-year-old in the next few free agencies to be that fifth core piece because I think the Ravens can have five huge, massive contracts on their team. I think every NFL team can do that while also having some other smaller contracts littered in there. So for me, I think the Ravens are now identifying who their core pieces are, but they have to be smart with their money until they know exactly what each year is going to look like with Lamar Jackson under contract. And look, the Ravens are not going to have this window ever again with Lamar Jackson on his rookie contract. This only happens once. It happens for five years, and soon it will be four with the whole rookie fifth-year option kind of being changed under the new CBA. But this is only going to happen once. The Ravens are now in that final year of having Lamar Jackson on a very low cap number, and then it's going to shoot up, and it's only going to go up from there. So the Ravens have to build a roster that can be competitive now while also being good in the future and not being cap crippled in the future. And that's a tough thing to manage for any team. And having smart guys in the room like Eric DaCosta certainly helps. So I know there's a bunch of panic right now and the Ravens haven't gone out and signed a wide receiver. They've only brought back Tyus Bowser and haven't signed an outside edge guy. They haven't addressed tight end. They haven't addressed safety yet. There are some needs the Ravens have to address. I'm, I'm not shying away from that, but I think right now, Preaching patience is the best way because we still have a long way to go before the start of the 2021 season. And throughout that time, Eric DaCosta can make plenty of good moves. Our next question here comes from DB Smith, who asks, what's the max number of comp picks awarded? And so this is a good question because with the Ravens, they love the compensatory pick formula over the course of NFL history when the comp pick formula was brought into the NFL, the Ravens have had the most number of comp picks throughout that time. I believe their number is 53. So they can't award comp picks to every single team because some teams spend a big in free agency and thus that all cancels out the guys that they lose. And other times teams just lose so many guys, they have to put a max number on this thing. So it's a good question. It's a good question. And the answer is four. 
the max number of compensatory picks a team can get in a single season is four because there could be teams who, let's say, lose 10 guys and three of those guys could count for seventh round compensatory picks and four of the guys could count for a fifth round compensatory pick and two of the guys could count for a third. And so even if teams sign two or three guys, they could still be getting eight compensatory picks. And that's just too many. You know, some teams could just have a ton of draft picks and now that they're tradable, it could shift the landscape of not only the NFL draft, but the trade market as well. So four is that number. I'm sure Baltimore would love to have all of the compensatory picks, every single compensatory pick possible, but that would also involve losing a lot of guys. And sometimes you don't want to lose all those guys, but it is a good question because if the Ravens were to get more than four, some years they could certainly go over that threshold. And obviously the Ravens like to re-sign their own guys. They don't like to let guys walk. I know that it hurt them to let, for example, Zedaria Smith walk or for example, let Matthew Judon walk. I'm sure that hurt them, but they have also let guys walk like Paul Kruger and Arthur Jones, the Nell Ellerby, who did not live up to their contracts whatsoever. There are plenty more guys also, but the Ravens have this thing for compensatory picks. And it's a good thing to have because it gives the Ravens extra draft capital and allows them to either trade or draft quality prospects. But the answer is four. Teams can only get a maximum of four compensatory picks in any one year. Our next question here comes from Sean's Burner who asks, trade up in the draft for wide receiver one or sign one. And so my philosophy here has always been sign one. I think that's what I've always been saying over the course of the past couple of months, ever since the season ended. But now that we're seeing the market develop, now that Corey Davis is off the market, now that Marvin Jones is off the market, Emmanuel Sanders is off the market, and not all those guys are wide receiver ones, but I'm talking about the veteran options. Can the Ravens afford Kenny Galladay at this point? Probably not. Can the Ravens afford Juju Smith-Schuster at this point? Probably not as well. Uh, Curtis Samuel, maybe, but probably not. Now, the market for wide receivers right now, I do want to say, it is crashing. It is awful right now for receivers. So there is possibly a potential scenario where the Ravens could sign one of the top receivers on the market here because guys might be looking for one-year deals now to say, all right, the market isn't great this year. The COVID cap obviously has had an impact on that. Let's just play it out for a year, hit the market next year, and sign a big contract then when the cap goes up a bunch. So the Ravens could go after one of those guys, but with the Ravens roster as it is right now, the Ravens don't have a veteran receiver on the roster at all. It does not seem like Willie Sneed or Des Bryant is coming back to Baltimore. And the guys on the roster right now, two of them are entering their third year and two of them are entering their fourth year. Marquise Brown and Miles Boykin entering their third year and Devin Duvernay and James Prochet entering their second year. So... That's a lot of youth in that room, and I think the Ravens need a veteran in there to kind of balance that out, have a guy who can be a leader in the wide receiver room, can work back to Lamar Jackson when he's in trouble, can find a soft spot in an NFL defense. There are certain things that veterans can do that NFL rookies and whatnot cannot. Now, this wide receiver class, on the other hand, is phenomenal. You can get talent in all seven rounds of this draft, but if the Ravens go with another day three receiver, is that receiver really going to play? Or are they going to rely on the jumps of Marquise Brown and Miles Boykin and James Prochet and Devin Duvernay? 
Are they going to rely on those again after they got burned by it last year with Miles Boykin and Marquise Brown for the first half of that season and Miles Boykin really for the whole season? So it'll be interesting to see how the Ravens end up playing that. It's tough to say right now because, again, the market for wide receivers is so just bad right now. The veteran low-end guys who I can see the Ravens making a run at potentially. A.J. Green is someone whose name has popped up. Rashard Higgins is someone I like a lot. Maybe T.Y. Hilton, although I don't really think he fits every single box, but could still be a nice option on the outside. So we'll see what ends up happening. My personal preference is still to sign one, but if the Ravens see value in trading up for a Rashad Bateman or a Terrace Marshall Jr. or even taking a swing and trading up for a Jalen Waddle if he's there, they could certainly do that because even though the guy would be a rookie, if talent is there, if there's just pure undeniable talent, Sometimes you just can't pass up on it, and that guy would perform better than a veteran anyway. So my personal preference is to get the veteran, but now that some guys are coming off the board, I certainly could see a scenario where Baltimore trades up for a wide receiver or just picks one at 27 if one falls. Our final question here comes from Brendan Ward, who asks, With the remaining cap, do you think a free agent wide receiver will be prioritized over a bargain veteran pass rusher? And so this is an interesting question here from Brendan because, again, as I just kind of talked about, the Ravens, I think, want a veteran receiver, but I don't think they need a veteran receiver. They don't think they need a veteran receiver. So I think they're prioritizing other positions right now over that receiver position because I think they do trust Marquise Brown and Miles Boykin and Devin Duvernay and James Prochet. I just think that's ultimately their mindset right now. It's not necessarily I agree with it. I also don't necessarily disagree with it, but I still think a veteran receiver is the way to go for this team. But I think a bargain veteran pass rusher would be better in this situation than a veteran receiver for one reason, and that is because I think the Ravens are keeping five pass rushers on their roster this season. They kept six in 2020 after acquiring Yanni Kingakwe, and that showed that one had to be inactive every week, and I don't think the Ravens want to go through that again, honestly. So I think five is the number for pass rushers, and right now the Ravens have three in Tyus Bowser, Pernell McPhee, and Jalen Ferguson. So if the Ravens sign a veteran like a Jadavian Clowney, like a Melvin Ingram, Justin Houston, maybe even a Hassan Reddick, and then draft a guy in the first couple of rounds, that can turn that defensive weakness right now, a position where there were a ton of holes, into almost a strength. And I think Melvin Ingram's a great fit. Clowney as well on a two-year contract. Justin Houston, I think, has been great for Indianapolis and over the course of his career, obviously. But there's a lot of talent out there. Now, going back to a free agent wide receiver, I think the Ravens still prioritize a free agent receiver in this class. I just don't necessarily think it's going to be one of the stud guys like a Kenny Galladay or Juju Smith-Schuster, who I don't think is a fit for this offense anyway, or Curtis Samuel. But I do think an AJ Green is in play, a Rashard Higgins is in play, one of those lower tier end guys. And again, the Ravens, I just don't think they value receivers as much as other teams do. I think in some cases, receivers just don't want to come to Baltimore in general. And if they do, they are probably asking for a bit more money. So, you know, it's tough with the offense that Baltimore runs. I don't necessarily agree with the fact that receivers die in Baltimore, but they have not been able to develop a number one wide receiver. So the best bet for them is maybe to go out there and get someone else who was developed by another team into a number one wide receiver. But getting a vet pass rusher, I think, is really important. I also think getting a veteran wide receiver is really important. But my gut here says the Ravens value and prioritize a veteran edge over a veteran free agent wide receiver.
We're going to head into our final break now, but when we return, we'll be talking about where the Ravens go from here in free agency, so stay tuned for that, and we'll be right back. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. There are real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online as you covered for all the news, scores, and odds is the best way to place your bets and is free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And we return here with our final segment of this midweek edition of Locked on Ravens. Your host, Kevin Allstriker, still hanging out with you here. And now as we get into this final segment, I do want to take a look at where the Ravens should go from here. Because I think it's important to not only analyze and identify the moves the team has already made, but find avenues where this team could improve, where the team could be looking, and just stuff along those lines in general. So obviously, the big moves the Ravens have made, signing guard Kevin Zeitler and bringing back Edge, Tyus Bowser, and defensive lineman Derek Wolf, And also Chris Board is sprinkled in there too. That's an underrated sneaky move the Ravens made as they brought him back as well. But this team always has a plan. And sometimes you have to go to plan B and plan C and plan D and even plan E sometimes because you have... 31 other teams of NFL competition that you have to fend off for players that you want on your team. So with the Ravens now, they have not added an outside wide receiver. I think that that is certainly a position they should address. I kind of talked about it in the second segment where you could see some lower end guys be targets for Baltimore, such as AJ Green or Richard Higgins. But with the way the market is for receivers right now, it is not good whatsoever. So you could see some guys take one year deals or even two year deals and then try to hit the market again when there is a much more solid cap in place and a much higher cap in place. So you could see a team like the Ravens who don't have the most money to spend, but have seemingly backloaded some of these contracts and made the cap hits low-ish in the first year. They made them lower than in the future years. So they still want to be players in this free agency and make use of Lamar Jackson's rookie contract. I feel like but part of that has to be giving Lamar Jackson weapons. You have to give your quarterback weapons as well as protecting Lamar Jackson. That is another key point and one I want to get into because the Las Vegas Raiders releasing center Rodney Hudson, who apparently asked to be released. The move actually cost the Raiders $2 million. And Hudson is one of the best centers in the NFL, and he would certainly shore up the interior of that offensive line along with Kevin Zeitler. That is a top five offensive line unit if the Ravens are able to land Hudson. Now, the problem with Hudson is that he's going to demand a lot of money. There are going to be plenty of teams after his services because he is, in my opinion, one of the top five centers in the NFL and one of the best offensive linemen in the NFL. So a guy of that caliber becoming available right in the middle of free agency well, certainly not expected, but now that he is available, I think the Ravens should make a hard push at him, especially with the way that the center position went for Baltimore in 2020. And look, again, as I've been saying, it doesn't matter how good your skill position players are. It doesn't matter how good your quarterback is. If you don't have an offensive line to protect your quarterback and to open up holes in the running game, you're not going to have a good offensive year. You're not going to have good offensive success. So that's a move that I certainly would anticipate the Ravens at least looking into 
during this offseason in the coming days, and hopefully they could pull that off because Hudson jumps the board to my number one target for Baltimore. And then looking at the edge rushers again, they have not added an outside edge rusher. Obviously, re-signing Tyus Bowser is a big deal, but I still don't think it moves the needle enough with this Ravens pass rush, especially considering they lost both Matthew Judon and Yannick Ngakwe to other teams. And again, Melvin Ingram, Jadavian Clowney, Justin Houston are guys who I would love. I think they would come at a reasonable price. I think that they could provide some really good veteran leadership that the Ravens certainly could use. Now, Pernomic Fee is currently in that edge room, but still, it doesn't hurt to have another guy in there who has plenty of NFL experience. Then also, for the guys that the Ravens are going to draft, I think that's going to be another edge rusher that certainly helps them as well. So I think that's something the Ravens could look at over these next couple of days. Hassan Reddick as well would be a lot more pricey, but I do think that he had a breakout year in 2020 after the Cardinals decided to move him to edge after playing some inside linebacker over his first three years. It wasn't really his natural position, and I think that didn't help his development at all, and so the Cardinals finally move him to the edge position where he flourishes. That could be someone who the Ravens definitely do look at, and then I think safety as well. The Ravens have to look at some safety players. Malik Hooker, Trey Boston, Xavier Woods are all still out there, so maybe that's a position the Ravens value more in the draft, but getting a true free safety, in my opinion, is very important. And a veteran could help in that situation as well. There are certainly some valuable prospects in the draft coming up here in 2021. Javon Mulrig, Javon Holland, there are a bunch of guys, but I think that, you know, if Trey Boston's available for a decent price, I think that's definitely an avenue the Ravens could certainly explore. So again, plenty of time left for Eric DaCosta and company to work out the kinks here, identify markets, find players who fit their price range, and not just throw money blindly out for agency is certainly a very, very stressful time for all parties involved, but that doesn't mean that Eric DaCosta isn't working hard behind the scenes. Just because the Ravens haven't had a ton of activity doesn't mean that they're not coming up with new ways and trying to find new ideas in terms of just getting this team back to another Super Bowl because they're working hard. They're working super hard, and so we can't discount the work that all these guys do. And if stuff begins to not happen, then the criticism can start to come out. But for now, I am waiting patiently. I think that there is still a ton of time. This Ravens team is not done yet, and I think they are still in line for a great 2021 free agency. That's all that I have for you today. When we get back here tomorrow, it's more Ravens talk from us, so stay tuned for that, and I will see you tomorrow.